0: This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hello, and welcome to the Plugged In Podcast, where we talk with founders and CEOs in order to bring you the real stories of failures and triumphs highs and lows they've experienced on their journey towards success. We will go in-depth with our guests to give you insights into how they have taken an idea from concept to realization, making those first key hires to building the right team, scaling revenues, how they overcame obstacles, and much more as we learn how they achieve success. This is the podcast that you want to subscribe to if you want to learn how to succeed. hello everyone and welcome to another episode of plugged in. I' am Ellie Mantlebaum an industry veteran who decided to do more than just listen to podcasts but actually start one in which I interview people much smarter than me. in this episode we are speaking with Erie Zohar a serial entrepreneur innovator always at the front uh, forefront of technology and a world-renowned ad tech industry expert. Erie is a proven authority or start, uh, uh, on startup strategy business modeling and strategy execution he has found and led comp- and completed the successful sale of Xlate to Nielsen in 2015. Oridian to Wibrand, uh, which is now, I think, Brightcom, uh, two of Israel's largest and, and, and most prominent internet companies. Um, most recently, led the merger of Fresh Hub uh, to a leading provider of smart kitchen commerce technology with iCanTech in June 2019. Uh, and Erie currently is the founder and CEO of Define. Erie, welcome to the show. I hope I covered everything. I know there's a really lot that you've covered to date. So if I missed anything, I'd feel free to fill in some of the blanks.
1: Thank you. Um, I think that was a good
0: uh, overview. Um, yeah, all good. Okay. So we'll jump right in. Um, and just for people to know, I've known Erie for really uh, almost, I think, uh, 10, 11 years already when he was at Exolate. I think you were living in New York at the time as well.
1: Yeah. so.
0: You know, For years in New York. Yeah. yeah so. T-Nex. I made Ali from t So there you go. So how did you get started in your career? I mean, you know, before, you know, it, it was really, you, I think you were in ad tech before Exolite. So how did you get started in there? You know, what was your first?
1: So I started actually before everything happened. You know, I started in 19... 19- Uh, 96 in a way I started thinking about the first startup actually with a friend in the Technion Uh, it was my last year in the Technion and my friend um, actually invited me to join a startup he and another friend were building up which was uh, uh, they had this great idea to do dating in the internet Mm -hmm. was this new thing called internet (laughs) Uh, that's prior to I think even Yahoo. Yeah. No, well, Yahoo was 95, but, you know, around when Alta Vista was maybe mm-hmm. created. Um, and, yeah, you know, it sounded to me like an exciting thing. Nobody did startups, you know, there was nothing there, but, you know, it sounded, made sense to me to do dating in the internet. Uh, so I started doing that with him, then his friend left, then he left, and I was left along with this uh, dating concept, uh, which I built. It was called Interclub, I built a little bit, Never really took off. Uh, I didn't have any money, so I moved to building websites and doing project, which was successful. I did some big websites for the Israeli government, mm-hmm. some big uh, corporates in Israel. Um, and then this one day, I was um, using Zip to zip some files. And I was waiting for the... Um, you know, Zip at the time took maybe like half a minute You just stare at the bar moving. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, there should be ads there. It's a waste of time because ads began to happen in the internet, and this idea came to me to put ads into software applications. Um, I knew nothing about building a startup. There was no ecosystem, nothing. That was '97 um, when that idea came up. But I started building that, and that turned out into... was first called the CIDR, then um uh, which was sold, as you said, in 2007. Um Brightcom, after a bunch of uh, yeah. different changes and developments and whatever For the process we became the uh, ad provider for Kazaa which became the most popular download and we made a lot of money and some other stuff and then that industry uh, came into challenges when uh, the record company of America sued uh, Kazaa and they began doing aggressive stuff and, and putting out uh, what was called. Um, Spiral into the program, which then reflected negatively on the full industry. Mm-hmm. So we we, we moved, we changed the company, rebuilt it, became successful again, and, and, and sold it in
0: 2007. Got it. And so, the company in 2007?
1: Yeah, a company called uh, Ybrand.
0: Oh, well, Ybrand. Okay, that's which right. Which was an Indian in, in company. And then it the, the, the morphed into Brightcom. Yeah. So. My, yeah. so from that experience, what did you learn? Uh, what was one of the challenges, right? When, let's say, when all of a sudden the spyware came, and that was really a big issue back then. I mean, yeah. it was for people that I would say who aren't old enough to remember. Uh, you know, downloadable software was everything before it was, again, the speeds were so slow. You had software, you just downloaded it, and with it, it just backdoors into everything, right? You know, so that was a major issue. And I think privacy issues were just starting to really bubble up there. So how would you, how you rebrand yourself in a sense? Like what was the, that must have, you must have like thinking to yourself, oh my God, like, you know, this is, this could be disastrous. So how would you get around that?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I learned a lot. Maybe one thing that you really, you know, learn from this type of experience is, you know, this, this uh, tension maybe between just keeping on and, and doing what you do and not giving up and, and fighting about the you know, the the challenges, uh, because you always have to fight, uh, you know, the tension between that, to saying, you know, okay, that's not a good direction, and you have to pivot, and and it's really very hard uh, to set rules for that, you just have to uh, really keep analyzing the situation, always ask yourself, should I continue the same path, or should I pivot? Um, Retroactively, looking at it, that was a good decision to pivot. At that time, it was a bunch of issues, spiral issues, um, also the development of the, um, of the internet um, and then I think we made a good decision to pivot to a direction where we had um, you know, all the meaningful assets which is uh, advertising and, and continuing to be in the ad tech space which was a good space at the time just morphing from software to more uh, general websites and then analyzing the market and, and finding the right niche uh, to come in at the time um, oh, many people oh. remembered but uh, the uh, real-time bidding began, and, mm-hmm. and uh, what's the name? Right Media was yeah, uh, yeah. inventing that, yeah, that, that. oakley yeah. And, and that, that, and was, that was acquired was quite by, yeah, by Yahoo for yeah, exactly. So we were able to we were actually the first serious player that uh, Right Media worked with, and we got great terms from them and we identified them, you know, as the right opportunity, and that was a good choice. Um, and, and of course, we did it in a way where we had to, in a way, erase, rebrand our name and rebrand everything uh, because the, the spyware issue, you know, stuck to everything that was um, involved with software. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a, also a good
0: way to move the business. Got it. So um, one of the things i like to ask is also, you know, so, what, what is there something that you you failed at, or you had a really big challenge early on that you know that you hadn't had you overcome it?
1: I had uh, many failures and many I did many mistakes. Uh, and...
0: You know, again, this is just more for to give people. Is one of the things I like to ask is, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this are always saying to themselves, you know, like they're at the crossroads, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm not going to make it. It's it's too daunting. There's a big hurdle in my way, you know. And, you know, failure, even though it's really not an option, it, it happens <laughs> to just be the result in a sense to a lot of people. And so I always try and, you know, and again, you, again if nothing comes to mind, that's fine, but I try and really get to... Um, that question, so people could say, you know what, wow, you know, look what he did. You know, he he came up, and I know, the, it, the one of the challenges that you were just saying was the the pivoting from the downloads and software to more online, etc. Was there anything else earlier on that maybe, or even later that that really you know stuck with you and made you think, wow, you know, this is something I really you know need to think about and over overcome it. Um. So
1: trying to think of some, some failure that, uh, that could be a lesson that, that, that maybe yeah. entrepreneurs... Uh, we could come back... from. <laughs> and, 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 so, I guess, one example would be...
0: Um, Let's um, well, we could come back to that, that as well. It's not a problem on that part. Yeah. Oh, so, I,
1: mean, uh, I could talk, talk about, think about the... And even the recent example of uh of uh, freshab well basically you know we saw that the market terms changed. Um, basically fresh up but do you want to now like jump to fresh? Yeah, we we can we go. Can go, go, go by no, then we can jump to
0: fresh. Way. Up, we'll go back. I have no problem. I jump around, so it's all good. Okay. So, so, so for, fresh for, up was
1: yeah. uh, basically um, after accelerated. I left the ad tech space and uh, uh, with fresh up, which was in the IoT space, basically connecting the uh, kitchens mm-hmm. to supermarkets, working with plants manufacturers to make it uh, possible for people to order you know, update their shopping cart from the kitchen. You know, your sugar and mm-hmm. runs out, you can scan a barcode, you can use voice and update your shopping cart. And um, also, was a long story and, and many challenges, uh, but we were able to build a strong company. We had big supermarkets, um, you know, New Europe working with us, um, customers really loved us, um, we made nice revenues. But then um, Google became actually a competitor. Of us, uh, Google began doing uh, both um, taking over in a way the kitchen appliances and the home screens with uh, the Google Assistant and the other things, um, and also they became like the, the the key service provider for supermarkets, basically doing what's called Google Express, which is them solving all the mm-hmm. online challenges for supermarkets. Uh, so both they were inside the devices in you know in the kitchen that we were working yeah. with, and they had the supermarket connections, uh, which made them a direct competitor. And Google is not a good direct competitor. <laughs> to have. Um, so and I think at that point we we realized that even though we had a beautiful company, uh, it's probably a good time to sell the company and and and, and look for um, you know a, a way. Uh, Well, I mean, we were fortunate to find a very good exit, so it turned out good anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think that you have to, all the time, look around and and figure out um, and ask yourself, is this, um, you know, is this a valid direction or not? But you have to be careful, because many times you want to give up. And and, and it's hard, but it's not a good time to give up, because uh, there's always a struggle. So that tension between, you know, when is it uh, time to switch, to pivot, to sell... And when is it a good time to just keep fighting and keep banging, you know, yeah. the wall until you break it? And that's something that you that you have to figure out and, and learn and think about and and you know and always look in the mirror and say, you know, am I am, am I wanting to give up now because you know it's hard, or is it really like a logical, strategical uh, right decision, you know, to give up?
0: Got it. And so. You know, and we'll come back to fresh up. You know, later on in the in the in the podcast, but you know, let's go to X-Late. So after you, you know, pretty much sold to you know Brightcom, uh, which was Y-Brand back then. You know, you started X-Late, right? You re- did, what, did you take downtime? Did you jump right in? You know, why do you oh, say like you know, okay, I just finished one. I worked X amount of time. I just had the itch to go back. Like what? What? you didn't want to take any time off.
1: So um, I took uh, negative time off <laughs> because I started Excelate actually while still doing uh, mm-hmm. Oridian. It was done with the board's consent. Actually, um, the shareholders in Oridian got equity in Excelate. Uh, Excelate was sort of a spin-off, sort of a spin-off from Oridian. So it was actually done in parallel. Uh, I would say that after X-ray, it, it took a year off <laughs> until fresh up, and that's highly recommended. Mm-hmm. And and don't cheat yourself that you can do it, and, and and don't think that uh, uh, you know that um, don't be afraid from it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Stop. You know, do something else. I specifically studied the Torah for a year, but you know. Do whatever uh, makes you feel good, but <laughs> something which is very, very different from doing mm-hmm. Um It will help your career, It will help your company, it will help your family life, will help your. your I highly recommend taking breaks from time to time if you can. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I started. Uh, we started. We launched um, Excel from from within Oridian, and 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 we identified this opportunity. Uh, data be, began. Becoming an interesting element and an important asset in in Antec, and we saw this opportunity uh, and wanted to create a company that enables uh, this industry to have more data and deal with data. Um, I think an important take from that is that um, you know it's always very big advantage to think of companies and build companies where you have uh, an expertise with. When when you're doing something for many years, um, that's a good place to come up with um, ideas and build new companies. Um, It's extremely challenging to build a company and to get funding and to figure out the right business models. And there are so many challenges. At least you have to come equipped as much as possible. And in this sense, equipped means equipped with the knowledge and relationships and so on. I see many people who want to invent, you know, a new idea and and jump into a new field where they have no previous experience in. And and I would say that that's that's a big take. And beyond all the other big takes of starting a company, take on a take of learning a new vertical, Mm -hmm. um, I think you really want to try to build something where you have some relative
0: advantages. Got it. And so, you know, did... Your experience at Aradion helped you build Exelite. Like, did you did you feel that, you know, okay, I, I learned some things that happened. I'm building a new company. I see the market because I've been in it. And you say, okay, I'm going to do this differently now. And, you know, how did you build? Did you build from within? Did you take a lot of people from Aradion into Exelite? Did you start from scratch? You know, you know, how long did it take you to get your first customer and stuff like that? I mean... I'm asking a lot of questions, but we'll go back
1: to it in a second. So absolutely, absolutely, it was a big advantage to build it uh, with knowledge I had. I I took a lot of uh, both, you know, to identify the opportunity uh, and then the relationships. For example, um, as I mentioned, Right Media, which then was a big player, Mm -hmm. so they were good friends and had a good relationship, and they were the first big partner. Of Excel 8. Mm-hmm. And so the, the type of asset that you're able to bring to a startup when you're starting in a field that you are already in, you know, is also relationships. And absolutely, I took advantage of that. Uh, yes, I took a few people from the team. Again, everything was done with the board mm-hmm. and under and, and full consent. Uh, as I said, um, everybody got also shares in Excelate. Um, so I took a few people from the team, actually the, the co-founder, Elad, was working uh, in Oruidion at the time and um, he moved with me to mm-hmm. um, And What else?
0: I mean, so, you know, did you when, you, when you started out, did you have the vision of what you wanted Exelit to be?
1: Yeah, I had a very clear vision. Okay. And, and in the Exelit example, actually that vision was really what ended up happening. By the way, when I decided to leave AdTech and start, for example, FreshUp, I had a vision which turned out to be dumb (laughs) I had to reinvent it because I did not do the the field. But here, since I knew the field really well, I came up with something which really made sense and turned out to be... So what was the vision? The vision
0: was what? The vision was to
1: create like a marketplace Mm -hmm. for data. Because data began becoming an asset um and 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 then you had those companies who had uh, a lot of data
0: and you were getting the data from you know different websites and you were working with different companies. Yeah, exactly i mean if, if
1: you like analyze the internet again that was before yeah. you know the the google yes uh, doing all this data stuff and definitely before facebook and so on so then the big data was concentrated um, under, you know, a small number of websites which didn't have massive traffic, so think about the travel sites like mm-hmm. Expedia, you know, and Price Line those companies, and then think about, you know, the, the auto cars like Edmonds mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Cars.com, and so on, so like those specific verticals where the data there was viable and, and, and users were there, but not too many users and not too many expressions, impressions. And then there was the other uh, part of the uh, Internet, which was the, comp- the, the, the website which had massive traffic and massive amount of users, uh, but no data. And the opportunity was to link make this link between you know those websites with the data those data with, with those websites with the traffic. Um, the website that had um, the data were always oversold, at very expensive CPMs, very expensive rates. and the website which had no data at very low CPMs, were were not able to sell all the inventory. And the idea was that if you're a user and you go to um, Expedia, and then a few hours later you go to uh, read an article somewhere, you're the same user. And yeah. therefore, if people were willing to pay $50 CPM only when you were Expedia, you're still worth a lot of money, not only, you know, five cents, when you go to so, uh, Wall your journal. Yeah. Uh, so the, the reason was to basically you know, create this marketplace and then have Expedia and cars.com become the sellers mm-hmm. and have the mass media websites become the buyers, them and all the other ecosystem players like the agencies mm-hmm. and the ad networks and everybody who sells ads mm-hmm. and create this connection between the sellers and buyers of data.
0: Got it. And so, you know, it, you know so you were helped pretty much with your relationship with the right media. And you know did you when how many people you know in the end were with were at actually how big was the company when we started, it was a hundred a hundred people hundred people and did you you know building the team and growing it and this is over what four or five years or or longer it was longer i mean
1: it was launched in two thousand and seven okay actually in the last week of two thousand <laughs> um, and six and I was founder and CEO for the first first four and a half years mm-hmm. until uh, uh, the middle of t- 2011. Yeah. And then um, and the company grew really quickly. I mean, we we almost every month was record months mm-hmm. all through the time that I was the CEO. Uh, we made like 3x or 4x year uh, so it was going pretty quickly. So how did you
0: build, How did you scale that Though I mean, you know, so you put, brought your co-founder in from, you know, already, did you find other executives, did you network, did you recruit, I mean, how did you build? Build, what I mean, build I found mean, early a on
1: uh, Mark Zagorski, okay. which is an amazing guy, and he was uh, the CRO, we... Used the recruiting. That was after we got funding for Carmel Ventures uh, And Shlomo Devrat became the active chairman. Mm -hmm. Then we used the recruiting firm, basically, to recruit uh, Mark, U.S. recruiting firm. We did an executive in in America. um, And, you know, it was a good
0: fit. Got it. Got it. And so... You know, was it hard? You know, go speaking of Carmel, was it hard to raise the funds early on? Like, were people skeptic of of the ethic? Were they skeptic of you, the new again the marketplace that you're building in a sense? Were like, well, you know, we just don't see it, or like again, you knew that it was happening, right? You because you saw the you saw the you saw the issue, but on the investor side, you know, <laughs> pitching a VC is very different than you know you believing it, right? They they need to see the vision as well. Um,
1: I think was very positive at the time I has had a great reputation So I think was not an issue It was a buzzword at the time recording um, is always tough. tough Let's say compared to my other companies That was maybe the easiest round But it was tough anyway um, Most people, you know, did not believe this concept I had like some big questions It's actually really encouraging Maybe you can say this to, to young entrepreneurs it's really encouraging when you look back and see how many VCs were like smart people and smart VCs, big name VCs said, you know, this is uh, <laughs> you know, BS, never going to walk. It's nothing. And then when you see it really working, you know, and then when you do the next company and people think this is BS, not going to walk. you know, you're okay. I've heard it before and I saw how things turn out. So don't be encouraged by smart people telling you what you're doing is not going to work. But listen to them. Listen well. And it, there's a lot of things you can learn but don't just believe everything uh, as it's said.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you, you had that, and, and as you were closing and, and building the company, um, you know, you had partnerships again, with Right, um, you ended up partnering with Google, Yahoo, Nielsen, IC. Were, were they hard to sign them up, or they were just coming to you? You know, once, once you proved the, prove the marketplace, again, things just tend to, you know, there's always proof, right? Everybody wants to see a working product, etc.
1: Usually, usually, those level of big companies never come to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're willing to listen to you and to engage with you if you are working with other big companies and you have enough brand and and proof. Um, But usually, you know, you, the small company, have to chase the
0: big companies. Mm -hmm. And, and, And how was the chase? Meaning, how was the... Was it hard? Did it take a lot of time?
1: Yeah, so it's long processes. Yeah. Always you have to, uh, you know, sales is an um, you know, business is an art. You know, you can't overpressure, but you have to be persistent. You have to find opportunities. You have to, you know, those are corporate. You have to play the corporate game. You have to understand the, the internal politics. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely an art that that takes time to uh, master. Um, and it's always a struggle. I think it's easy. It's <laughs> well,
0: not in my life. Well, I, you know, again, you, you know, I think, you know, you're focusing on those two aspects of persistency and, and you can't overpressure. Those are two actually concepts. A lot of, I, I know that, you know, a lot of um, other CEOs, they tend to want results like, you know, they expect, you know, okay, give me a deal. You know, and especially with the big companies that you're partnering, partnering with, it does take time to close, the, close that deal as well. Um, so how did, how did Nielsa come about, right? So, you know, you, you pretty much raised two rounds. You built the company up, you know, 2015's here. You're, you're, you're pretty, you're doing well. Um, you know, so how did, you know, did you have, an, did you want to get out or the opportunity just came upon you?
1: We, we as a board got to the decision. I was a board member at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got the decision that we want to sell the company. Um, we felt that you know the company. We actually had somebody approach us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 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 we thought you know and we saw the market was maturing and, and 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 our numbers were great and we felt we were in a good position and we felt you know that 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 somebody came to us uh, you know wanting to purchase us was like some kind of a you wake up um, call where we should uh, maybe look at the possibility of saving the company. And mm-hmm. we did the right process. Basically, we, we took a banker um, that, that then, you know, reached out to the market. And we did everything by the book, in a way. The banker did a good job. And Nilsson, by the way, were uh, actually a client or early on partner mm-hmm. of ours. We worked with them for many years. Um, actually they were pretty dependent on us because uh, we did a lot for them we were not mm-hmm. important uh, partner of, of theirs um, an, you know it's an old uh, economy type company they, they weren't so, so digital and, and, and so we were in a way the digital arm and we, we had a lot of uh, digital capabilities to them so in a way they needed us and, and that also enabled us to create this competition the Started from four companies, but ended up being two companies really competed, increasing, you know, I think started from like around 160, going up to this, uh, to 200 million.
0: You said they had two companies bidding on you? Yeah. Nielsen yeah. and another company. That's always, that's always a nice feeling. Yeah, that's the <laughs> point.
1: That's a point. And it was, yeah, the, the banker did a good job, and, and we did yeah. the right process. Um, I, I would say that in, in the end, Nielsen felt that we really, you know, ex- um, Term for that, but basically, really squeezed out you know, uh, this number they were unhappy about it, uh, but then it turned out to be extremely happy. Basically, the numbers we gave them, uh, we ended up doing 140 percent on those numbers, mm-hmm. um, and we we're considered the best acquisition Nielsen did, um, until now. We're, you know, Excel is a big part of, of, of Nielsen, mm-hmm. separate entity uh, that's. Like the good part of Nielsen is, is the x area there, so ended up they were very happy. Yeah. <laughs> but after we, we squeezed them out in, in that competition, they were a little bit unhappy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it's okay.
0: It's you know, so two more things here. So, you know, did you have a company culture you built in X-Late? Did you feel that there was a culture or was just you know, did you have it in mind to build a culture or it just came naturally?
1: Yes, I did. And, and I think it was a good... Culture, and I think things kind of getting better. At it, so even that that culture was better in uh, fresh up, uh, but it's a culture of uh, try to be modest. Uh, it's not about you know me. It's about us. Um, me, that refers to all the executives, not only to myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's always we always try to. Um, give people the full picture so everybody feels what is their part instead of the organization and why what they do really matters and is a big part of the big story. Um, you know, it, it expresses itself in the fact that everybody has equity, everybody. So you give
0: equity to, to the employees? I
1: mean, yeah, whatever, the, the secretary, anybody who works for the company has equity. Um, so they felt part of it. And, 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 but no, it's not only about the equity, it's about company meetings where you um, again uh, emphasize what each one does, also so he feels what he does, and also so everybody mm-hmm. else knows what each one does, yeah. so everybody sees the, the full picture. Um, and, and, and also a, try to uh, build an um, atmosphere of uh, being professional. And, and executing uh, correctly and you know, um, doing what you're supposed to do and for not doing it being accountable mm-hmm. and, and transparent um, uh, And with that being helpful and, and friendly and, and positive, um, there's always a big challenge of um, trying to somehow fight the, the, the negative uh, politics, I think the, the natural situation, in a way, is for this negative politics uh, to flourish mm-hmm. and, and for people to, um, you know, use you as the CEO and use others as, as a way to, in a way, confront each other. You have to really put energy all the time into fighting that and clearing this out, um, keep open communication mm-hmm. lines between uh, the people. Uh, when people come to you and, and start saying, you know, that guy is so bad because that 's that and that and that, not, not, you know, become part of that, not join that, but the opposite. Figure out right. how to dissolve that and how to create communication between them.
0: Got got it. So one more question with, you know, with Exley, and then we'll go into Fresh Oven, and then from there we'll go into what you're doing now. Um, Why did you step down as CEO? You know, did you feel that you wanted, you had your time, you know, let me give it to somebody else and I could do other things within the company? Or was it being burnt out? What was the... You know, again, there are a lot of people that do that, right? I know Dennis Crowley, who's on the show from Foursquare. He stepped down after a number of years and, you know, he ended up just focusing on the R&D and development. And, you know, he said it was a great decision in that sense that he could really help build more products out, etc. Um,
1: My decision was actually... The, the big trigger was an external trigger uh, which is basically part of building the company. Um, Carmel wanted, which was a really good uh, decision, for me to move to US with my family, mm-hmm. which I did. Um, and, and my wife was amazing, uh, came with me and did this for me anyway, but as um, time went by, she wasn't happy there. Um, and career-wise, you know, she felt she was stuck, and I felt, you know, that it's unfair yeah, for for me to be there uh, when she's unhappy. Um, and with that, you know, in parallel, I, I thought that, you know, some, the right CEO could do, you know, a good job and continue building the company. I felt that, uh, you know, we could find somebody who's gonna do, you know, also a good job at it, and, and uh, Actually, we looked for a while, but I thought that Mark would do an amazing job, and I was pushing the ball for that, and end up, um, you know, accepting my um, the recommendation. The recommendation, which end up with a great results. So it ended up being good, but actually, there was an external trigger that started this process. Oh, okay, I hear that.
0: So you know, you, you were saying about fresh up earlier in the in the in the, in the show, right? So uh, you know, connecting the kitchen, um, you know. Why did you get into it? Why did you decide to really make that shift from ad tech into something totally, you know, IoT, the kitchen, are pretty far from the ad tech world?
1: Basically, I felt that I do not want to be in the ad tech world anymore. Um, by the way, I'm not the only one. Many people were <laughs> in left ad tech. was a bunch of not good things about tech, which by the way is becoming even worse now so I think AdTech is, is a little bit out of favor um, so I had to find something else to do um, and I don't think by the way I, I did it in a smart way meaning again as I mentioned I, I had this idea which I thought was a great idea mm-hmm. but then when I started executing it I saw it's not such a great idea I <laughs> to learn in this industry yeah um, but, you know, after being in that industry of supermarkets and, and, and uh, actually it was just supermarkets, uh, the initial deal was supermarkets, not IoT. Mm-hmm. But after being in that space for um, many, many months and really beginning to learn that space, understand the space, and in parallel looking at, you know, around and, and seeing what's going on with IoT, which began picking up, I then came up with this concept, which turned out to be like a good concept, you know, to connect IoT into supermarkets. So, you know, I had enough maybe experience in the mm-hmm. supermarkets uh, to come up with an idea that did make sense after this initial idea.
0: So, and, and you know, the model was what? For the supermarkets to, to pay you? For the...
1: Yeah, um, the, the supermarkets and the plants manufacturers was like a win-win for everybody because the plants manufacturers... For the supermarkets, it was a big deal because uh, it gave them kitchen presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you think about where you make your decisions about buying groceries, most of them happen in the kitchen. You know, it's mm-hmm. very simple, you know, your milk is out, I need to buy milk. Um, so being able to execute those decisions is a benefit for consumers and of course big benefit for supermarkets. So the other supermarkets are incentive. Um, and as the supermarkets become incentivized to get into the kitchen, uh, they wanna help the plants manufacturers and help them sell, help them Put appliances into the kitchen, Mm. which that becomes the interest of the plants manufacturers. Um, So, in a way, under this, we basically had both paying us both the plants manufacturers and the supermarkets.
0: And so, you know, the market size did you realize how big it was when you started? Like, did you, you know, when you were thinking about it, did you see yourself, did you know that the manufacturers would come on board, you know, or did you realize that, you know, supermarkets were paying you to get in the kitchen? Or did it come out, when you started, did it, do you have a different uh, idea in mind? I mean, this, this concept
1: of basically getting the supermarkets to have a like, constant presence in the kitchen was quite new. So there was no numbers mm-hmm. saying, you know, or, or, you know, supermarkets will not yeah. allow was market education to get them to understand, you know, that they should be in the kitchen. It just made a lot of sense. And by the way, pretty soon after we began doing it, another little company figured out it made sense to put supermarket uh, into the kitchen, which was Amazon. <laughs> uh, and they, they launched um, what was called the Echo, mm-hmm. they're putting a system called Alexa, which is a very, very big deal now in, in America. Um, but in, in the first, um, uh, Amazon it always starts from like a video, you know. Showing the product mm-hmm. and then launching the product. In that video, where they introduced the concept of, of Alexa, they already showed this idea of, you know, I'm running out of my uh, paper towels. Yeah. I'm adding them using voice uh, from the kitchen. And also had uh, this little stick uh, that you could scan a barcode. So, you know, it just made sense. And, and that's why I think us and other companies began offering that.
0: Got it. And, you know, so you, you, how big was Fresh up when you, when you merged with ICANN? Was it a merger acquisition? I mean...
1: It was... Uh, I mean, it was equity. Equity, deal. So, deal. okay. So I guess it's, it's a merger.
0: Yeah. So, so, so how many people did you have there at the end?
1: We had... In the end, we had... I mean, when we began, basically... We had at the peak. We had not so many people. We had, I think, like 18 people Okay. Uh, at the peak. But, but then um, when we began having those challenges and Google became a competitor, and there was... A, challenging to uh to, to secure more funding because you know investors don't love to invest into google competitors uh, <laughs> especially when amazon's there and then when we took that merger path we actually winded down the business a little bit mm-hmm. um, i think at the time we, we began the discussions we uh Eight people working for
0: the company. And and did you find ICANN or they found you? you were you working with them already? What they found us, actually. They found, they found us. They are, uh,
1: ICANN is a, a, a IP owner. They're mm-hmm. very... I mean, the, the interesting story. ICANN, ICANN did basically some an activity which was very similar to what we did uh, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe the market uh, was too early, maybe execution-wise... Um, um, they had some challenges but they were never able to really pick up okay. and, and build a business that we were able to build but they, they did uh, create very valuable IP mm-hmm. which uh, they owned and they kept operating in a low key and then um, they wanted to partner with somebody and ask around oh, and we were the big name uh, so that's how they approached us uh, and ended up to be this amazing combination between you know their their IP and, and our you know activity and, 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 and uh, revenues and relationships. Um, and that's how the merger
0: came to be. Got, got it. So now, take us to define. Right. So you started another company now, um, and it, also totally different space. <laughs> no longer, no longer in the you know in the in the kitchen. Um, but what made you get into Define and why don't you just tell people what Define is so they get a better idea
1: for sure for sure I would just maybe add one other sentence which I think I missed from the fresh sure. part which is um, post this merger now we have um, 8 million dollars invested in this merged company mm-hmm. um, and you know can using us begin. Uh, in a licensing campaign where they're looking to license, um, you know, all this IP that they have now um, And the numbers we're looking at, the estimates now, would be uh, amazing returns uh, to our shareholders so We're very fortunate uh, The estimations now, cautious estimations, would be in the hundreds of millions So it became out a very nice result for the, for the shareholders um, Anyway, um, so I took another break After fresh up also uh, again highly recommended. Mm -hmm. In my case, again to learn Torah, and then I actually took you know a few of the um, team members fresh up because we wanted to keep working together, and we actually you know we felt we do not want to be in the supermarket space. (laughs) Uh, There's a bunch of challenges there, Um, and we had to figure out where we want to be, uh, and then, I mean, again, I think if you're able to innovate and get a company at the space that you uh, have experience in, it's better. I'm not recommending this path, um, but maybe I felt good enough with all the experience I had mm-hmm. and, and everything to, uh, to do this uh, more challenging path of, you know, entering um, a new vertical. The way we did it this time was basically, not looking for an idea, looking for a vertical. And then choosing the vertical and then learning that vertical and come up, come up with the idea after you, you you spend a few months in the vertical. The vertical we chose was a uh, fine art. Why is that? Because first of all we had this um, attraction. Um, we like art. Uh-huh. And we wanted to be in that space. And also we identified two elements which turned out to be actually really good, positive elements which offer creativity. Number one, extremely high margins. Mm-hmm. You think about the gross margin of, of a fine art, it's amazing. Um, I mean, that's, that's relevant when talking about um, the few artists that are able to break through and become big artists. Those artists are able to sell artworks in the tens of thousands, sometimes in the hundreds, extreme ones in the millions mm-hmm. of dollars. Of course, the, the bomb, the, the cost of material is $10. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the margins are uh, infinite. Um, also, we like the idea that the IP is held by a person, not by an organization. If you compare it to other industries where we have, you know, the organization and enterprise and politics and all the waste of time and waste of energy you have to do when fighting big uh, enterprises, mm-hmm. you have one person. The artist owns the IP. Uh, so then we gave, began to look at we We knew from the beginning it was, you know, that we want to take like a fintech type uh, direction. Um, and then as we began exploring and, and, and talking to the big uh, players um, in this ecosystem, uh, we discovered actually an amazing opportunity. Um, which is, um, everybody knows that, that ART is also a very interesting inv- investment, um, it's, it's uncorrelated, um, and there are amazing you know, returns to be made. But if you look at the numbers, you find something really weird. Um, for example, if you look at uh, from the US perspective, we have 8.7 um, million people in the US which have more than a billion dollar free to spend. It's the, 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 the big portion of the qualified investors. So out of this 8.7 million households, less than 1% put real money into art. They put money into a lot of stuff, nothing to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and art is, is an amazing investment. I mean, you get this double yield. yields up as an investment, but also every day, you wake up to beautiful artwork <laughs> on your walls. Um, and we started analyzing, trying to figure out why, why is that? Why, nobody, why so little people put money into art? And we saw that the, the basic... Necessities um, of financial assets do not exist in art. The main things are transparency and readability. If you want to invest in something, you need to be. You want to have transparency. You need to see. You know how much its really value is. How much?
0: Yeah. So, so you're saying about transparency is it's it's something that's not there right now in the, in the art world?
1: Exactly. Now, now you have a very limited visibility. Uh, you only see what's called the secondary market, which is uh, you know where you know, small portions of them, deals happen, but the primary market, where most deals happen, are um, um, totally blocked for anybody who's not really deep in, in, into the space and not like a big expert. Um, so, we were able to solve that problem by working with artists and getting them to share all this data, and we have data that nobody else has, and we're able to um, use it and, and show it as, as, as financial assets should be with the graphs and data and everything you know, like a like financial asset. Second thing is tradability. Now it's very hard uh, to save the artwork, there are very big margins. Um, it's very complicated uh, the way art is now sold via the auction houses like uh, Christie's and Sotheby's. Mm-hmm. So we also figured out um, a path how to solve that. Phase one by enabling you to replace the artwork. And we have this big platform now with a lot of artworks you can replace the artwork with a different artwork. Um, and then the second phase, which we're aiming to 2022, would be you'll be able to cash out. We're doing that based on a uh, digital currency that we're mm-hmm. building and, and working towards, uh, you know, taking that public in a way and being you know making that tradable on the crypto graphic exchanges and through that uh, enabling also cash out uh, when you invest in art.
0: So you pretty much want to disrupt the art community. I mean, was that was your te- you taking? I,
1: I want to more than disrupt the art community. I want to really enlarge it. I want to make the art community much bigger. But many, many people who have money now are not spending money into art. And, and I wanted to do it. It's a beautiful investment.
0: <laughs> I, I hear that. Well, that, that's great. And, you know, we're going to... A few more questions just to wind down, uh, you, know, um, you know, our talk. You know, so what are some of the management skills that you feel, you know, make you effective? I mean, you were, you know, again, you were big and now you're more on the small side here you know, do you use the same type of management skills or, or you know, just you know, you just are in, inherently, in a sense, the, 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 your, your personality leads to a certain style that you have.
1: Oh, I think the personality is, 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 you know, what uh, drives your behavior or skills as a manager. It's probably that, plus your uh, learnings and your experience uh, which maybe teaches you how you want to conduct yourself?
0: Okay, I, I hear that. And did you have a mentor that you turned to sometimes for advice, like throughout the whole process? You know, did you, um, you know, have someone that you could rely on, or or this is more, you know, just internally you just took it upon yourself, you, you thought through it.
1: I don't have a specific mentor now. We do have a lot of uh, advisors in fresh up. In define, I'm sorry, um, people from the industry, people uh, who augment, um, me mm-hmm. fields which I am not an expert in. The, the, the two big fields which are relevant for define are the cryptographic uh, field and define out So I have a bunch of people from the mm. goes from the yeah. cryptographic world and a bunch of goes from the out world, which I work with a lot, um, to figure out the right path. Um, I would mention that um, I feel that I was fortunate to work with uh, Shlomo Dovrat um, for a period. I think he, he's an amazing uh, mentor. And I, I feel it took a lot from uh, working with him.
0: Got it. Okay. And, you know, what did you want to be when you were 15, if you remember that far back? Did you know what you want? Did you have an idea? Did you want to be, you know, uh, you know, a successful entrepreneur? Did you want to be, you know, a uh, doctor, lawyer?
1: First of all there was this, this concept of entrepreneur was not in existence. <laughs> it was eighty five. Yeah. Eighty five, you know, nobody was an entrepreneur. I don't I think this this term was known, at least not in Israel. And what I want to do when I was fifteen.
0: I want to surf mostly. <laughs> okay. I hear that. Very good. And um is on the proct- on the productivity side, is there something that you could recommend to you know, founders to be more productive, um, whether it's on the personal side or whether it's on the, you know, work side, you know, is uh, whether it's, um, you know, just taking time for yourself or, you know, just uh, trying to keep yourself more organized, you know, is there something that you've done that you feel like really keeps you productive?
1: All of that, uh, I think that the, you know, the... Um Rule of thumb points, you know, make sense. I think there's a lot of uh, learning that has been accumulated in the humanity, or in the business world, and, and, and you should listen, you know, to the common knowledge, mm-hmm. and you know, stuff. To the, you know, you should live a balanced life, and, and, and uh, I think it's not only good for yourself, and for your health, for your family, it's also good for the business. Uh, you know, even though like it looks like. You know, you're wasting time but you're not i mean absolutely do not walk in in Shabbat uh, or whatever is your okay. day off i mean of course from the religious side but i'm also saying from the productivity and, and and mind and health side uh, but also more than that i mean i think you sh- i think it's not productive and not uh, the right formula uh, to walk crazy hours uh, but you do have to work hard, you do have to, to walk many hours if you want to succeed. <laughs> but, but But do it in a logical... For example, I, I take now two days uh, where I come back at five o'clock and spend time with my kids and so on. Mm-hmm. And then two days, I come back at like 11 o'clock at night. So, mm-hmm. and then one day at uh, 7.30. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you have this mixture between, you know, working hard, but also living uh, a balanced life. Um, I can tell you one tip, which I discovered sure you can uh, if you have android i'm sure to do it in apple you can turn off the mobile data that's amazing yeah <laughs> like when you with your kids turn off the mobile data maybe turn it on once an hour yeah and not to see what's going on but just turn it off you're we're all addicted yeah this device addicted to, to walk. i hear that and cutting you yourself off from mobile data when you're not at work i recommend it
0: excellent well thank you so much for your time uh, it, it's great to see you again and I look forward to seeing Define in the coming years um, and the success that you're going to really take to the art market, which I, I have to say I, I never really thought about um, for, those, the, for those who are listening, feel free to rate us on iTunes and the other podcasting platforms, all reviews are appreciated they help us move up in the rankings and uh, looking forward to you know the next episode, thank you Love this episode of the Plugged In Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.